Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, known uh, nationwide and in certain pockets of South America as uh, Smoking and Toasting. <laughs> Welcome back. It is show number 120. Uh, you know, it says uh, 126 here on my thing, but that's because I didn't update it. It's show number 127. And it's very exciting to be on show number 127. It is pretty I would exciting. say that no one has stepped in to stop us, but of course that would be repetitive. Repetitive. We wouldn't yes. want to. We wouldn't want to disappoint certain people whose reviews I've read about a third of. So, <laughs> uh, so welcome uh, to the show, Ian and I, uh, along with uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel, are freshly back on American soil after a wonderful trip to Honduras, and so we're going to be telling you about that. We were at the JRE and Aladino. Uh, factory and uh, plantation, and it was amazing. We have lots of stories to tell. Can I just say, yeah, wow, wow, like yeah. holy cow! It's a good way to it's a good way to describe the whole thing. Wow, this was our first cigar tour, and uh, the only thing I can say is if is if your shop ever has the opportunity for people to you know go to one of these. I mean, you you have to you know buy your airline tickets and all that kind of stuff, but if your shop ever is involved in one of those promotions where they're taking people, go. Oh, yeah. It's so, so worth it. Go, 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 go. It's wonderful. I uh, want to mention that we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, and we are uh, excited to say salute to our brother Jeremiah at uh, B&B. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him in a while. We, we it's to... been far too long. We had to get him <laughs> on the show. We catch up with him. All right, so on today's show, we'll be telling you about our trip to Honduras, showing you some video, and our sit-down with uh, Justo Iroya from uh, the Aladino and JRE factory. He is, at this point, the face of that factory, although his father, Julio, still kind incredibly of Incredibly like, active. Yeah, incredibly and, active. He's the I patriarch. Mean, he's, he is everywhere. You know? Yeah, he really... He was, and and it's like everywhere we go, he would pop up. Like, and you wonder how does he get around that well? It's amazing. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so we'll talk a little bit about that, and a lot going on on the program today. Uh, cigar groups are urging an appeals court that the new cigar regulations violate the First Amendment. They're making a huge and heavy push based on that to see if they can get the uh, exemption for premium cigars mm-hmm. made. Uh, it's pretty fascinating little piece of. Uh, of of uh, political strategy that they're involved in. So we'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, Cuban cigars uh, sales are up despite the international spread of the anti-smoking laws. A new study says, keep your craft beer cool and drink it quickly. Somebody paid money for that. Say what? Keep your craft beer cool and drink it soon. Only if it's IPA. Somebody paid money for that. Uh, and here we go, my friends. You know how we talk on the program about the acquisition of, you know, smaller craft breweries by the big guys, ABN Bev in particular. Oh no! They've bought ten uh, craft breweries, including our local uh, craft brewery here, Carbach, one of our local craft breweries, um, and including, of course, Goose Island. And um, guess what they're doing now? Oh no! They're not just putting ingredients labels on their uh, on their stuff. Oh no! They have just bought a craft distillery. They're buying into the whiskey business. ABN Bev. I'll have the story for you coming up on the program. Nah. Yep. Uh, plus, if we have time to get to this, uh, Forbes has named America's best value whiskey, and so have a bunch of people who drink whiskey. 
So we'll cover both of their <laughs> both of their uh, things. Plus, we'll be sampling some really interesting stuff today. Abita Brewing's Stratus Beer. That's their new Brute IPA. Brute IPA is all the rage this year. So we probably will have a lot of those that we will have a tendency to sample. That's generally dry and uh, and a little bit uh, a little bit citrus forward. It's so, so hot right now. Yes, it is. Um, Here's one for you, Ian. I will be interested to see how you respond to this once we're able to taste it. I have not had it. But Dogfish Head and the Grateful Dead have collaborated to bring forth the American Beauty Pale Ale. Is the Grateful Dead still a thing? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I know, and I know, I know I'm going to take hell for this. I just don't get it, man. I never have. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm just not into the whole jam band thing, really, mm-hmm. because this is my own philosophy. And you will probably differ from this, and if so, more power to you. I just haven't heard a song yet that needs to be 20 minutes long. <laughs> I'm not sure that song's been written. And there's been some great songs written. So I'm just not sure anything needs to be that long. All but right, come I, on, I get, what about Stranglehold and Inagata uh, Devita? Uh, but 20 minutes? No. No. 10? Okay, fine. And any live recording from the Allman Brothers, which, by the way, I love the Allman Brothers. Well, I love the Allman Brothers, too, but I still don't want to hear... I, I love Whippin' Post, but I don't need to hear a 20-minute version <laughs> of Whippin' Post. You know what I'm saying? That's just that's just me. Again, uh, other people feel different. You know, there's a... there's I think it's 14 or 15-minute version of No Quarter on the uh, Song Remains the Same soundtrack yeah. by Zeppelin, yeah. and it is so good. How long is Do You Feel Like We Do by Peter Frampton? That one's forever. Yeah, that's, I think it's about 14, 15 That minutes. one's forever. It's getting close, you know? By the end, you're like, okay, I got some ideas for that mouth harp thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got some ideas for what Let's we can do Let's call it a talk box. Yeah, okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot going on. We have uh, great stuff to, uh, to taste. Oh, uh, I mentioned the Dogfish Head and the Grateful Dead, American Beauty Pale Ale. And then um, Monkless Belgian Ale. That's the name of the company. Monkless Belgian Ale. We'll be trying their Friars Festivus Belgian style quadruple. I think it has to be Belgian style unless it's made by monks, and then it can be a Belgian. And then it can be a Belgian because it can. I thought maybe it had to be made in Belgium to be a Belgian ale. Well, maybe we should ask our uh, our listeners Somebody's to chime in on know. that. Yeah, does it have to be made in Belgium, or does it have to be made by monks in order to be a Belgian triple be or both. quadruple or whatever? You know, I mean, scotch can only be made in one place, too. Right, right, right. Uh, And speaking of scotch, the Dalmore, Portwood Reserve. Ooh, is it We'll be doing some tasting. (laughs) It's a Christmas miracle. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, that's something we'll be be looking forward to uh, on, on the show, and it should be fine. But first, there has been a sighting of the ingredient label for Bud Light. Say what? Our friend Alan Denny uh, texted me, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. (laughs) We have our listeners looking out for us. And said, here, you don't have to call Specs this week. And found this, the Bud Light ingredients label, uh, on a 16-pack or 12-pack of uh, Bud Light at his local It's funny uh, because I shopped last night and stuck my hand in the fridge and didn't see one. Well, you know, Alan Denny's on the cutting edge. He is on the cutting edge. He's one of those guys that... What I don't know he is he shops way more modern than I do. What apparently. I don't know is if he bought the twelve pack of Bud Light and took it home, or if he took a picture of the ingredient <laughs> label and put it back in the uh, cooler. But apparently, the ingredient label has been spotted. So now, Ian, we know definitively that it's water 
barley, rice, malt, hops. Is that right? That's pretty. Or did I? Did I put there's water, no, there's barley, no malt, there's rice, no malt. hops. Water, barley, rice, hops. There's no I'm not malt. sure rice is supposed to be in beer, is it? Well, it depends who you ask. I mean, we talked about that last week. That even some craft breweries are beginning to put rice in some of their beer. They are claiming that it, you know, is is not just. I get that. Filler, I mean, but, and, it, but and I don't know much. Affects the taste. But I occasionally homebrew, and I've never put rice in my beer. Well, again, I, I, I think that when Bud Light came out with the whole thing where they started attacking other mainstream beers for having corn syrup. Uh, and then they uh, have rice on there. And their then label. they have rice in theirs, and, lo- and that was kind of the pitchback was, well, you, you brew yours with rice, so what? That's so, I don't know. <laughs> I wish, you know, this is something, the next time that we've got a, uh, a brewmaster on from one of, the, uh, one of the craft breweries, we should remember to ask him about rice. Yeah, 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 uh, about positive, it. negative, what are the, what are the ramifications of, <laughs> of rice in your Delmar beer? Delmar just says, God, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, the, this is the point. They've spent millions of dollars on this, by the way, because they're convinced that this ad campaign is going to cause people to buy and drink more Bud Light. That's the only reason you run an ad campaign. You know, I love, I love to buy and first, use your product. When we first talked about this, you, you brought up the, the disconnect between um, having information and knowing how to use it. So true. And that's such an amazing disconnect, mm-hmm. right? It having really is. this ingredients label on there, which right. contains four ingredients. Right. Right? Having this label on there does not make that beer better. Well, we read. Again, my wife looked up and found this article about what prompted them to do this. And they had done research studies that told them people wanted to know what was in their beer. Yeah. They want to know. When if we, it's a raspberry when we goza. Try, yeah. Or if it's a, you know, I don't know, um, a chocolate cherry uh, Baltic porter. Like, yeah. Yeah. We're going to try this. Uh, from Abita, this Stratus beer. I'm holding this up to the camera right now. We're going to try this uh, in just a couple of minutes here. It's a brewed IPA. I'm going to be real curious about what hops they used in this. So that's an interesting, that's me wanting to know what's in my beer. It is you not know, me so wanting most, to know what's in my Bud Most Light. beers tell you what's in it. It says ale brewed with. Correct. And that's good Correct. enough because ale is a is basically that tells you the ingredients. Mm-hmm, that's right. And generally not rice, by the way. Generally, generally not, not rice. rice. Yeah. So we need to have our own commercial where we somehow get delivered a big thing of rice and then we take it to the a Bud Light uh, brewing thing there on I ten. Yeah. And we're like, hey, I think this got delivered I think to us this by got delivered accident. To the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good idea. A yeah. bag of Mahatma I, rice, by the way, I, I, which is yeah, yeah. also made here in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or one of those little boxes from off the shelf, you know, where you can buy the box of rice. Hey, I think I wonder if it's The question to... is, I wonder if it's minute rice. Oh. Because it's not as good. Yeah, no, it really isn't. <laughs> it really and truly isn't. Oh, man. So what a week you and I have had. Oh, and, wait, and wait. Adam as well. oh, wait. So Delmore says, wait, are they saying there's no yeast in their beer, or did they forget about that ingredient? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeast is pretty important, huh? So it doesn't say yeast on the Bud Light uh, no, ingredients? No, no, it thing? only had four ingredients. Wow. That's fascinating. I think Adam's going to put the uh, uh, the photo back up, and we can check. It, yeah, it's <laughs> only it, four ingredients say, on there. Does it say yeast? does not say yeast. Not, so apparently they don't use yeast in their beer. Like, Interesting. How do you how, how do you, you get, get it to alcohol ferment? Yeah. Content at how do you that get point? it to ferment? Maybe they just use rice and pour some Everclear over it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Although then it would need to say Everclear on the label, right? <laughs> uh, I guess so. 
Uh, all right. So, uh, Ian, what did you think of your first factory tour and your visit to JRE and uh, Aladino? I know you said wow well, Chris, earlier, but the, I'm uh, for it. You're for it. Okay, good. I was hoping you'd <laughs> dig deep in this uh, <laughs> uh, for us. And, 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 you know, um, so it was pretty amazing. The um, the driver that got us from the airport to the farm was- A three-hour drive, by the way. A three-hour drive was something amazing. Yes. <laughs> the fact that we're alive is amazing. Oh, you know? man. <laughs> so, a, so a couple things that are a little alarming, you know, by, by our standards, are there, there's- until you're actually in the city, and I mean like in the city, mm-hmm. um, there's actually no no stoplights, no stop signs. Correct. Um, there's just road. Yeah, it's just road. There's no lines on the road. Right. There's no speed limits on the road. Right. However, I want you to imagine the worst road in your neighborhood. Their highways are worse than that. If you live in the greater Houston area, their highways are the equivalent of Richmond Avenue. <laughs> That's what it's like, and it's, I'm sure most people have something in their town that only, would be similar. only much faster and scarier. Yeah, right. So if, if you were driving on that at uh, 70 miles an hour, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so uh, and for fun, we get off the plane and um, and we get in the car and and uh, this was just a blast because Tom Polar, who's the uh, rep, the one that mm-hmm. invited us there in the mm-hmm. first place, shows up and meets us uh, with Usto uh, Eroa. And um, and we get in the van, and immediately he goes, I got cigars. Yeah. And so we have cigars. Yeah. And then we stop at a place to uh, to have lunch, and we had to set our cigars down. And we had an amazing lunch at this yes, Honduras restaurant in uh, Tegucigalpa. And, um, and waited for, I guess, there was a few other people that were coming in. Uh, there was uh, the crew from Pennsylvania, so there was mm-hmm. two different shops mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Uh, to to the equivalent of five people showing up, we got there and we had uh, a couple guys, local guys here. So we had the um, we had Paul from Heights Guitar Shop and Daniel from Cigar Town, uh, and that was just so much fun. I had such a good time in the first hour that I was yeah, there. Yeah, like, and then after we had our lunch, we all went out in the parking lot and smoked cigars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then on the drive there, we smoked cigars. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and when we got there, we smoked cigars. Yeah. So. Um, uh, I want to get to uh, in the program uh, a little bit later. I want to get to uh, some of the things we smoked, some of some of what you had that you you know mm-hmm. thought were uh, most interesting, uh, either positive or negative. And then I also want to uh, we're going to be bringing you that interview with uh, with Julio. Uh, I'm sorry, with Husto, uh, Husto yeah. uh coming up. And in the next segment, we have quite a bit of cool uh, video footage that we shot that will. Uh, kind of we'll walk you through, through yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll walk you through our our factory tour, but it's actually time, and we don't usually do this in the first segment. But since there's so much going on in the show today, and also since I'm a little bit thirsty, wow. The uh, thank you. The cap fell on the carpeted floor, so we didn't get that. I love that bottle cap on the on the top of the you know wood counter sound and we didn't get that so i apologize we, we don't have a sound effect for that on here because no. we use that one as an authentic only right that's sound one effect. of our real sound effects like we use real like we'll use can sound effects for certain things like this and this right, right. and but, i'm like may, may i be the first to say i'm really glad we use can sound effects <laughs> for that that's but a, that's a we will not thing. cheap on sound effects for the beer <laughs> now we've had um we've had a beat of beers on the show before and to be honest uh, although I really like what the whole brewery is about, as I recall, the last couple of Abita beers we had did not really score all that well. Not that we're scoring beers necessarily, but we weren't as crazy about them as we had been about some other things. And I find that 
um, when somebody has one of the Abita like value pack, uh, not value packs, but the mix, the mix packs, mix yeah. packs, uh, the, I find that I like certain beers much more Abita than others. Turbo Dog is yes. an absolute standard. Yes, like, it that is. is a great. It absolutely beer. is. It absolutely is. I'm not a huge fan of the Purple Haze though. No, not really. It's too purpley. Right, it's too purpley for me. Uh, but this I thought should be interesting because everybody seems to be coming out with a brewed IPA. It says it's extremely dry, or extra dry, and extremely crisp. It is seven percent, so it's in the typical IPA range for uh, mm-hmm. ABV. And it says here basically elevate your hop experience with Stratus beer, brute IPA, uh, a champagne-like body, and an unbelievably dry finish. Ian, your thoughts, please. Um, meh. Really? Yeah. That's it, it's it's a well-made beer. Uh, it's too well. First off, the they're right about that whole um, champagne-like body. I don't. I just don't like this much uh, carbonation going. It on. is extremely it's, carbonated. It's yeah. inter- it's interrupting my flavor experience. I think the carbonation itself is just to me. It's distracting. If it's, you can see how much I've still got there uh, from the earlier pour. And I've already had um, a couple of sips out Flavor-wise, so. it's nice. I actually like the aftertaste. Yeah. Um, a little bit of the bubbles dancing on the tongue sort of aftertaste. Yeah, to me, this is not something I'd, you know, if you had it, I, I definitely wouldn't turn it down. But it's not something I'd pick out again just because, the. to me, this is just way too I find myself almost bubbly. wanting another flavor in here. Yeah, it's, like it's a little it one-dimensional. A little but it's line not, it's, of, it's okay. It's worth trying yeah, if yeah. you like what they're saying on the um if you like the extra dry extremely crisp idea then this is probably for you this is not for me. It does remind me from a consistency standpoint of a champagne or a, a sparkling wine which I really like. Like it immediately but, has me belching. But I would yeah and that's not a good thing by the way. Yeah, I just I, I don't get along studio. with that much carbonation. It's just not for me. But I will just say that like when you drink a champagne though it's got this other Fruit flavor from the grape that is not present in something like yeah. this. So you almost find yourself wanting it to have a little bit of, you know, cranberry in there or something now, to give you, your tongue that one more thing. If you, know? you give me real good bubbly, mm-hmm. and by bubbly I mean champagne or, mm-hmm. you know, really good champagne like um, uh, wines, um, what I will generally do is let it sit. Because you're just not the carbonation. I just one. like uh, like fresh out of the bottle, like a Vuvka Glow or anything like that. It's just too bubbly for me. You mm. know, it's it's nice. I like the flavors a lot. So you don't drink a lot of like Topo Chico or uh, bubbly water, do you? No, I like uh, I like some of the Lacroix and things like that. Mm-hmm. But again, what I generally do is is we'll let it sit a few before I drink it because I don't like it quite as bubbly. And that's a me thing, you know. This is a lot of bubbles though. This is uh, yeah. not your standard like soda pop bubbles. This is like. I I Way like the, top. The, the carbonation, although I've have had some beers that I felt like were over carbonation, uh, over carbonated. In this one, I kind of like the carbonation, but I'm just gonna. I I like this beer, but it's not my favorite brewed IPA that I've tried. I, it I settles down that. quickly, like right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine is a lot flatter. And, and do you like it better? I like the flavors better. You can mm-hmm. taste a little more of the banana and a little of the uh, more citrusy kind of. Uh, complexity in the finish that I think is just covered up by the carbonation, mm. the initial carbonation. You're right. Having just poured another little bit into my glass, the carbonation is a bit much. Yeah, it's, it's over the top. And, and I kind of like carbonation, so uh, it takes a bit to over-carbonate me. But that's uh, 
Oh. Yeah, if you gave me this, it, it's not something I'd probably go buy. But if you gave me this, I would, I would, uh, uh, I would pour it in, let it sit for a little bit. And, I will uh, tell you this too about it, uh, and then enjoy it. It almost doesn't feel like an IPA to me because it doesn't have a lot an of that I, hoppiness. An IPA it. with the banana flavor that I'm getting from that is a little bizarre. To right, me. a little strange. I agree. I agree. So, uh, so uh, I think bottom line for me, I like it, but it's not my favorite root IPA that I've tried so far. But I but but I don't dislike it. Like I'll tell it's you, actually, the it's dry thing good... is is so hot right now. Oh, it, you're going to see so I many of up, these before the year is over. I picked up a um, one of the Austin East Ciders Extra Dry mm-hmm. Cider. Mm-hmm. That's darn good. Although mm-hmm. a little too carbonated, so pour it in a glass, let it sit. But it's very <laughs> champagne like. Like it literally is very champagne like. <laughs> All right, we are going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be tasting uh, yet another beer, the Dogfish Head and the Grateful Dead American Beauty Pale Ale. Plus, we'll talk about some of the cigars that we had, and we'll give you a kind of a visual overview of our trip to uh, the uh, JRE and Aladino factory in uh, Honduras, just outside of Dan Lee. Uh, it was quite an experience. So we'll share a little bit of that with you coming up in the next segment. You are listening to Smoke It and Toastin'. It's show number 127. We'll be right back. <laughs> did you see his next comment? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Welcome back. It's smoking and Toastin'. You are uh, checking out the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Um, we are so thrilled to have you uh, on the program with us today. We are back from Honduras and our visit to the JRE and Aladino uh, Farms and Factory. We're going to tell you more about that in just a moment. Uh, but Cutwater Spirits, San Diego, California, a very well-respected, up-and-coming distillery known for, among other things, uh, it's American whiskey and bourbon. Uh, it was once a division of Ballast Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember it uh, being known yeah, it as Ballast, as Point, Ballast Spirits. Point. Then it was Cutwater, yeah. and now it was spun off after Ballast was acquired for a very hefty sum by Constellation Brands. Mm-hmm. The people who had started Ballast Point Brewery stayed with the distillery and went on to do uh, to call it Cutwater Spirits. An interesting twist of fate, however, these spirits makers once again find themselves owned by. A beer maker. This time it's Anheuser-Busch. AB has bought... Uh-huh. It's the beer giant's first foray into the spirits world. The thinking behind scooping up this distillery, they say, was that Anheuser-Busch wanted to be present. Be sure they are present where all consumers are. That includes... And tell me tell me how corporate speak this hey, is. Hey, man, let's have a shot. Dilly dilly. Check this out. Check this corporate speak out. You ready? And Isaac Bush said they wanted to, quote, be sure we are present where all consumers are. That includes adjacencies within beer and different segments that are emerging, end quote. Why are they in my bedroom? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So cut right, water that's, spirits. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. All they're doing is thinking, oh, well, anything that takes up part of the market that we can buy. Right. You know. If we if you can't beat them, buy them. Pretty soon we're going to have yeah. Anheuser Busch toilet paper because that's pretty ubiquitous. Well, you know, and listen, after you you know 
have enough. And of you won't be able to get that fun dinner. soft toilet paper with a little aloe and e because that's not for the many. Right. That's dilly dilly. That will send you right to the dungeon of despair <laughs> when they buy cottonelle or See, whatever. I like the way you think because that's exactly what it would be like. <laughs> That's exactly what it would be like. Let's let's squeeze, pardon the pun, all of the uh, all of the interestingness out of the product, and uh, and only cleave to what would dominate the shelf space. Right. That's what it's for about. the many. That's a, yeah. it's an amazing bully uh, campaign mm-hmm. that I just can't get enough of. So Cutwater, besides the whiskeys uh, that it produces, actually is known for fourteen other types of spirit as well as. And we had the Cutwater Rep on the show with some of these premium mixers in a range of, range of canned cocktails. They operate out of a 50,000-square-foot production facility, currently distributed to 34 states, and are said to have experienced double- and triple-digit growth since inception. Which, of course, that's why Anheuser Bush yeah. wants them, uh, is because of double- and triple-digit Now, the thing is, growth. they were making ready-to-drink, in-a-can uh, concoctions and they were pretty good, too. and they were pretty good. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think I still have some of the Bloody Marys in my, yeah, freeze, in my fridge. Yeah, that's what I'm talking they about. They were pretty darn good, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, I, I can't wait to see what they do because these some of these are actually interesting drinks. Well, they were interesting drinks, and now they're going to be owned by AB InBev, so it'll be the whole dilly dilly thing again, right? Exactly, it'll be for the many now, not for the few. Yes, and uh, I, I just wow, this is. How and and then you start to wonder how many distilleries would they buy? How many would they go after? Well, they only need one if they can take over the world. Well, but they need more squash, than one. If they, they can squash craft brewery, you know what though. they're going to do? They're going to do their whole. They're going to. I, I just know they're going to do their whole distribution campaign. Oh, of course they are. It's all it. about like you got to carry cut water. Yeah. Well, this will be interesting because. The place where they've really made inroads, at least where sales are concerned, in the beer area, is in places like, let's say, convenience stores, drug stores, and some grocery stores, mm-hmm. where they've been able to go in and say, you know, the the chain or whatever of grocery stores or convenience stores might be saying, yeah, you know, there's more, more and more demand for craft beer. We got to carry some craft beer, and they've been able to say, "We got you covered." Oh, we got your craft yeah, beer. Yeah, and if you want to keep dilly. getting a I mean, good a good sorry. deal on our mainstream products, uh, you'll carry our craft beer instead of carrying everybody else's. And then they, you know, oh, yeah, it's they've their stuck from campaign. their portfolio, right? It's it's absolutely what it's about, and it doesn't give the consumer. I will tell you this: I'm to the point now, and this is not speaking ill in any way of the craft breweries that AB InBev owns because I do like a lot of the products that Goose Island and Carbock and Wicked Weed and some of the others uh, make. I really do. But if I go in a convenience store or my local CVS or whatever and those are the only non-big beer brands in stock, I won't shop there. I won't, I won't buy beer there. Yeah, you know, uh, frankly, uh, I understand. I don't mind if saying. they have them, I but have if they're harder- the only ones... I have a harder and harder time anytime, like if I walk into a place, like my, my local HEB is really disappointing me right now. Mm-hmm. Like really disappointing me right now because they have rows upon rows of Bud Light. Like they have seven doors in their giant coolers that are all just blue. See, that's one of the reasons. Seven doors of it. That's one of the reasons, and I know if you live in Texas, they this, have is, this is heresy. three doors of craft beer. Yeah. And over half of it is taken up by... AB InBev craft beer. 
The rest of it is, oh, a little bit of uh, St. Arnold here local, mm-hmm. and they're they're a little hard to ignore here local, so good for them. Right, right. And uh, what's the other one? There's a couple other little things Shiner, in there. Probably. And they're all IPAs. Right. Okay, so can I, like... Uh, I'm disgusted with it. Can I speak heresy to you right now? Talk to me. I don't shop at H-E-B. I know. If you're from Texas... That's a little weird. That's a little weird. I shop at Kroger. You want to know one of the reasons why? Talk Stone. I can buy Stone beers, Stone IPAs at Mike Kroger. I have to drive a long way to get. To I can Kroger. buy, I can buy amazing stouts and brown ales at Mike Kroger. You know how jealous that makes me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm saying to you. So, and you know, yeah. some of the nicer HEBs they have better stuff. But I have to go. I, it would be a 20 minute drive for me to get to yeah. Kroger from my house. Well, but the, and, the unless point it's is, traffic time, and, and it'll be a 45 minute drive. I really try not to buy too much of that stuff at the grocery store anyway, because I like to support the actual beer merchants and the spirits merchants and uh, the people who that's how well, they I end make up, their it, living. It, it's shorter to me. Like I, I, I don't unless I'm buying something St. Arnold. I generally won't buy beer at the uh, at my uh, HEB anymore. I just go downtown to Specs, which mm-hmm. is closer than any nearer. Right. And there you have yeah. a great selection. And you can buy things like the American Beauty Pale Ale, which we're going to sample in a moment. Speaking of which. Yeah. <coughs> but before we do that, I wanted to take a look at this video. Uh, Adam kind of uh, did a little editing and put a, uh, a kind of a video montage. Now, uh, keep together. in mind, we got in at five-something last night. Mm-hmm. So, so we had to throw together a little something. And by we, I mean... Adam did all the yeah, work by, on this. By we, you mean Adam? That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm and I'm claiming all the you know. The, well, uh, we did glory, shoot tons but, of video footage, and we shot some stuff with different store owners from around the country, and we'll be uh, bringing some of that to you. And in our next segment, we'll sit down with Justo uh, Iroya from uh, Aladino and JRE. This guy knows tobacco; they make great cigars. We'll talk with him in just a few minutes. But for now, let's take a little look at uh, just a a quickly edited. Uh, sort of a synopsis and highlight of our trip, and let's uh, let's take a look at this and see. Well, I almost think we should have some of that little music, like you know what they would play, like back with the old black and white Charlie Chaplin type. Oh right. So Ian, what you're seeing here is was actually the view from the big house where we stayed, and now the the farm. This is this is some of the fields out there on the farm. So there was quite a bit of Corojo that we saw in the in the fields. And these particular leaves that we're going by right now, I think we had been in the ground for like six days. I think we were able to find out that the tobacco plants grow an inch a day in in the fields. It's which. I, I I guess that makes sense. It just look at those like mountains in the background. Yeah. The other thing you're seeing, if you look far enough back, when it when it pans up a little bit, is you'll see this kind of a screen. They use like a cheesecloth wall all the way right. around each field, which helps just, protect it from the elements. Yeah, when just that's necessary. Helps right? protect it from the elements and extra dust and everything else. So if you look across the very back of that, you'll see that that cheese fence. Uh, yeah. That's two guys having cigars. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> They're standing there like, yeah, we did this. We uh, this is in the box factory here. That was awesome. They're this actually, is an old press machine from what year did he They say the 20s, uh, I yeah, think? Yeah, I think it is. It's super old. You can Look see at from that. the thing. I think Ben Franklin used one of these to make the, uh, <laughs> the uh, Declaration of Box America. Uh, there you see the Aladino Cigars uh, logo and the way the, box, the boxes come together. Once they take those pieces you saw the guy making mm-hmm. and uh, press them in, these are the tobacco drying and curing barns, mm-hmm. or as they call it, they don't call it curing; they call it aging. Yeah, they, uh, they call it aging there. Uh, and these barns are incredibly well uh, 
well put together, and uh, then when you go in them, you so get to see. So this is the tobacco right out of the field for the this first. This is Corojo leaf, is that right? Yeah, Corojo yeah. leaf right yeah. out of the field for the first uh, few days of uh, of drying up to, I think, what, 10 days? Yeah, or? I think that's right. So you can Something. see. That's a guy. That's Reed from uh, from uh, shop in Pittsburgh or Greensburg. And you can see here's Ian shooting a little video yeah, here's there. here's all of us checking us out. Yeah, so you can see these leaves are still a little green. As the chlorophyll comes out of the leaves, the green stays closest to the stalk, with the, the uh, uh, stem in the center, and the outside of the leaves begins to dry and curl. Now they're bunching them. Yeah, they're going to um, take them in and uh, put them into the aging process. This is like this. a really super like condensed yeah, version this is, this is going of how this fast. goes. Because this touches hundreds and hundreds. Every tobacco leaf uh, touches hundreds and hundreds of hands before it gets to the cigar that you're about to light and smoke. So, And these guys are doing this. Look at, look at how he just ties this up. He's like, done. Yeah. Just like that. Oh, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. These guys really know what they're doing. They move very quickly. Um, and there he's just shaking a little of the excess moisture out of the leaf. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was uh, He was like, I'm going to be on smoking and Man, toasting. Man, look at really? that car. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> somebody just goes – Rides by smoking a cigar. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, car was actually owned by uh, Julio, the yeah, uh, owner yeah. of all of this. So, so this uh, is leaf sorting right here. She's taking all the leaves out of the bundles you saw earlier, and she's sorting them into uh, into uh, wrappers and binders and 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 grades of wrappers. So, so the like, picture, uh, the the bigger ones are like wrapper leaves. And then uh, the, the smaller sizes will be used for binder, and then smaller than that uh, for filler. Here, This guy rolling. Man, amazing. watch this. Yeah. This is the guy that specializes in uh, Lanceros. Watch yeah, so how fast see, this guy makes a cigar. Yeah, so you can see how small that and is. This and this is so rolling. what you're seeing right now is the wrapper binder or the uh, binder and uh, filler, and this is the wrapper section that you're watching. Mm -hmm. And then he puts the cap on it. And, the cap uh, watch him do this fascinating. Cap. Yeah. He literally see that he's not using any kind of a of a guide or anything. He's just going circle. Yeah, he's got the little circle cutter and just mm -hmm. go for it. Yeah, it's really now he's got a little he's got a little uh, uh, a little stuff that he's using a little um, sticky it's uh, a little pectin glue. Yeah, is a little what pectin it is. glue. Yep, and then he'll clip the uh, clip the end of it, dab it in place, and then put the second cap on, and then, and off then he, he puts, goes. Yeah, and then he puts the. Yep. Uh, Secondary. It's a really on. a pretty amazing thing to watch. Then he puts it uh, in a little machine that compresses it slightly. There's a, there's a better shot. You can yep. see the little machine back there that compresses it slightly. And then they're testing the draw. This is amazing to me that this machine actually can test the draw of a cigar. They put the cigar in, and they have a gauge that tells you now they, the percentage of the draw. Right, Look at right. That. Now, interestingly enough, they do this before they put the uh, wrapper on because mm -hmm. there's no reason to put a wrapper, which is the most expensive part of a cigar. This is there's what no I've, reason to put a wrapper on until after you test, test the This is what I've always dreamed my closet at home would look this like. This right here, when he opened the door, was like, ah. <laughs> it really was amazing. I think so I actually these, just sung a little bit from The Little Mermaid. You, d I believe you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, that was a look at the actual uh, process of making Man. Uh, the cigars. This was our look at that uh, valley. This, this is the Jalapa our, Valley, by right. the way. This is at a, sunset, this is really an amazing, uh, an amazing place to be. And we're back. Uh, so it was a uh, it was a trip like uh, like no other. I think yes. It was, uh, it was, and that was very condensed. What you haven't seen are just 
all the images of us just sitting around doing a lot of smoking and drinking, which there was. Oh, we'll have a pictures whole of that. Lot of yeah. <laughs> uh, You'll Ian, get sick of seeing that. Ian, was there uh, was there a cigar that that uh, that you smoked while you were there? That, so that stayed with you. We got to well? try. We got to try a few prototypes, and I thought that was really cool. The one prototype I'd like to talk about, uh, two actually that I'm going to talk about, but one of them is a uh, 64 by. Um, by uh, six and a half, I think, mm-hmm. uh, Maduro. So this is a really uh, big yes, smoke, yes. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, and they just have these as prototypes right now, but their Maduro was <coughs> outstanding, and it was an hour and a half to hour and 45-minute smoke easy. Right, right. And it smoked great the entire way, and it wasn't too powerful. It had lots of flavor. Uh, wonderful, wonderful smoke. The outstanding one, and you're going to hear about this, you're going to hear about this cigar. You're talking about the one that hadn't been released yet. Right. You're going to hear about this cigar in every interview we did there, but the uh, the Connecticut wrapper mm-hmm. was amazing. And I, I agree with you, and I'm not always – I mean, Connecticut's not my go-to wrapper. I don't generally reach for yeah. a Connecticut once yep. in a long while because yep. it's usually a little too light flavor for me. Like, mm-hmm. you, I get that prejudice already, like, eh. You know, it's a light flavor. Right. It's I want that once in a long while. This Connecticut, these were relatively mild cigars, but they were not mild when it came to flavor. They were full of Yeah, flavor. they were big flavor. It's mm-hmm. hard to say full flavor because then people get the wrong impression. This is a mild cigar. Right. With big but flavor. Big and flavor. wonderful smoke on it. Definitely big flavor. Absolutely fantastic. Ian, I notice you've already uh, begun your research on our beer, so let's jump into this. The Dogfish Head and the Grateful Dead present American Beauty Pale Ale, and I will show this one to the camera, the uh, beer cam. It is a pretty interesting, you know, label for Deadheads. I suppose uh, would would really get into this. I this can one, see you maybe sipping some of this while you uh, this one enjoy takes, a song that's really really long. My my very first sip on this, I didn't like it. Really? Yeah, didn't like it at all. I was like, meh. Dogfish. But head. then. I took another sip and I went, no, yeah, I'm starting to get it. And then by my third sip, I'm hooked. I like this. This is nice. This is probably the most subtle thing I think Dogfish Head has ever made. Well, they're not known for subtlety. They're Let's not known for subtlety that. by any means. Well, this is interesting because, and now I liked it from the first sip. What was it you didn't like? Maybe you're. Was I, your think taster was, still I think it was. I think it was whatever. IPA whatever. I, like I had a little bit of Shiner Bach right before it, and then and maybe the IPA. Um, I don't. I think I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Even after I smelled it, you know, there's not a lot of aroma to this, which again is a little strange from Dogfish Head, because um, usually they come through the door like they're kicking it down. You know, I'm about to blow your mind. The American Beauty Pale Ale, Dogfish Head, and the Grateful Dead, brewed with. Because remember, we have ingredients labels. Brewed with pale ale, brewed with granola and honey. Okay, I get it. Is it making sense to you? Yeah, your taste I totally get now? it. Because yeah. you can taste it. It almost has an oatmeal kind of thing mm-hmm. to it. Um, what was that first ingredient? Pale ale. Oh. Brewed with granola and honey. So it only has three ingredients. They're Apparently even more so. efficient well, than Bud Light. Of course, Bud it's Light a pale has ale. four ingredients. But a pale ale is going to have its own ingredients, right? I was trying to make it funny. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Dogfish Head guys have, uh, have really just been primarily doing these really, really big beers. Whether it's their uh, brown ales or their, uh, you know, their IPAs, the ninety minute and the one twenties. So this is not necessarily a big beer. It's good. It's definitely full flavored, but I wouldn't call it a big beer, would you? No, this is definitely a uh, what do they call it? A pale ale. 
it's definitely right. in that neighborhood. It's definitely uh, something you drink if you uh, want not a lot of big boisterous flavor to it. Mm-hmm. But boy, I don't know. It's pretty good. I think it's very. Full it, it was flavor. just funny how I don't know why it struck me like that. The first sip, mm. I was like, mm. and then the more I drink it, the more I really like it. It has a very kind of. I think that's the granola and honey you're tasting. Yeah, it's it has that granola honey. It has a cookie kind of flavor to the end of that, it. That's what that would be because yeah. you're getting that sort of oatmealish. Uh, the honey doesn't strike and me the very honey like, yeah. but the granola is kind of like an oatmeal kind of mm-hmm. thing to it. It is very. Uh, I know they're not from there, but it's very Vermont. Yeah. It strikes me as a very sort of like Yule Gibbons backwoods <laughs> going camping for the weekend uh, with the Grateful Dead music on your iPad uh, sort, of a, you sort can, of a vibe. You can take my first uh, sip of this with a grain of salt as well because considering I just came off a trip where we may have smoked cigars. <laughs> it may have happened, yes. It may have happened this while is, we were it's there. It's like our trip, by the way, was like anti-California. You can smoke everywhere. Yeah, 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 you know how in California, as you always say, <laughs> you can smoke anywhere you want as long as it's not inside or outside? Yeah, if you turn that completely inside out, that's what it would like. You could smoke everywhere there. It was amazing. There was literally two places we went into where we couldn't smoke. Yeah. The entire trip. The entire trip. Four yeah. days. Yeah. They even had, even in your rooms where they had uh, places... They had they had these little buckets of water. I was we were like, what are the? Bu-? There's a bucket of water in my room, a small bucket. It's got water in it. I didn't know if there was, you know, something was leaking. If there was a problem, they go, oh no no, that's for your ashes. Yeah. Put oh, your, that's put your cigar put your cigar out ashes in. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, it's a different kind of place, and uh, the Arroyo family are a different kind of uh, of cigar maker. They are doing this boutique thing, but you know these guys have um, you know have been mainstays in the cigar industry for quite some time. And when we come back, we'll talk to Justo, who is at this point the face of uh, Aladino Cigars. This is a boutique cigar company that wouldn't have to be boutique unless they wanted to. I mean, this these guys could could be as big as they wanted to. Yeah. They want to remain a small player and really focus on quality. Uh, well, and Julio says he wants his legacy to be one of the best cigar makers ever. Yeah, not he, he, one of the guys who makes the most cigars. Right, not, right. Not a guy he, he who, wants his legacy to be the right. best. He, he wants, wants you to, to think of him instead of thinking of the Padron or uh, or Fuente. It's like, well, I love somebody who sets their sights mm-hmm. like that. That absolutely works for me. So we'll talk to Justo, uh, his son, who's running the company at this point, uh, in our next segment, which we uh, did on location in Honduras. Uh, you are listening to Smoking and Toasting, and we will be right back. Yeah, it took a minute. I don't know why that first taste was like, wait a second. I did not smoke a cigar last night. So I think... It's smoking and toasting on location. We are in Honduras at Camp Aladino, and we are thrilled. Uh, actually, look how beautiful this is. Yeah, well, seriously. First of all, we're thrilled to be here, and secondly, we're thrilled uh, to have Justo Arroya on uh, the show with us. Justo, first of all, thank you for the amazing hospitality. You have uh, you've really shown us a good time here. This has been wonderful. Well, I want, first of all, I want to thank you guys for coming over. This is uh, something that uh, we have been doing for many, many years, and now with the new Aladino, and, and my dad is pretty excited to having you guys over. So I really do appreciate your time 
and also having us in, in, in smoking toast is it, a great honor. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> the hospitality here is unbelievable. This is so kind of old world feel, and you guys like going out to the farm and everything. We're going to have tons of uh, video footage and pictures of that but this has been just an amazing experience and i will tell you you will not starve here no. like <laughs> the food here has been wonderful the red beans everyone like every meal has these red beans that are just amazing well oh yeah. it's been so good. it also hasn't been difficult to find great cigars no it's been a uh, a real treat as well so um so tell us a little bit about the history of the farm and the factory and how long uh, this has been here and when did it when did it become the uh, uh, the Aladino uh, and JRE factory? Okay, basically this is probably one of the oldest farms outside of Cuba and Central America. So this is one of the original uh, farms where a Banco de Fomento of Honduras and an Institute of Tobacco of Cuba started a pilot program in 1961. So before the Cuban embargo, right. nobody knew the U.S. was going to have a Cuban embargo. So what was ha what happened was this, uh, you know, uh, the president of the Honduran Central Bank, Jorge Hueso Arias, and Tino Argudin, which was the head of the Institute of the, the Cuban Tobacco uh, uh, Institute in Cuba, they were classmates in, in, in college. And the central bank president in Honduras wanted to start developing back in the 60s. Honduras was very rural, and they were trying to, you know, they were known for bananas, but they also wanted to get into more tobacco. So uh, that a small plot and probably the oldest barns in Central America are built in this farm. So, uh, so the, they built originally four. We had two left. As a matter of fact, we were we've been traveling all, all over the farm. And we never got to take pictures inside the barn. Can you believe that? <laughs> After three days or two days of, of running around, we took so many pictures. Yes, it's pretty yes. amazing. And we started in the fields, which was uh, this is the first time for me that I'd ever been in a real tobacco field and it's just it was such an education uh just to learn about how you rotate the crops what you plant where what the uh the time is uh one of the things that blew my mind is that you said that the tobacco plants grow about an inch a day that's unbelievable well you know it, it the tobacco is 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 a solanase it's the same thing it's the same family you know uh, botanically it's the same family as a potato and as a tomato and usually the cycle of those is about 120 days mm -hmm. so you know once you do come out of the greenhouse which is around 40 45 days then you have another 75 to 80 days to get all the all the primings now the people always talk of, about the soil in Cuba and how that's the perfect environment for you know growing tobacco how do you contrast the soil here in Honduras with what people at least always say about the soil in Cuba well remember in today in today's world we we, we don't know that, that, that us as you know the consumers in the US don't know much about Cuban t uh, cigars but I would say they're they're you know the richness of these soils volcanic soils are spectacular and in today's tobacco any any cigar either whether it's made in Nicaragua or, or Dominican Republic or Honduras I would say in my personal opinion it's probably got better quality than Cuban tobacco they not only they don't have the resources and and, 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 and uh, to, to to grow great tobacco but there's no incentive to also grow uh, great tobacco well and you got to take care of your fields you got to do the crop yeah. rotations and things like that to keep the soil 
with all the nutrients in it or you start to deplete the soil itself. And and when you're saying there's no incentive, it's because it's not it's, well, it's not it, capitalistic it, in, it's in its nature, system, right? It's a socialist system, you know. So yeah. whether you do it right or doing wrong, you know, it's it's going to it's it's, it's going to pay about that's the same. Why, that's why we're like, you know, <laughs> your check is not going to change. Yeah. Your check is not going to change. <laughs> that's true. Well, um, you guys have done uh, an amazing job. One of the things that I was uh, so impressed with is how well organized this entire operation is from the fields all the way through to the final uh, step of the, you know, putting the cigars into the boxes. Uh, things are so well organized, so uh, so clean. Now, I don't want you to bag on other guys, but is that is that unusual? Uh, it struck me as unusually organized and, and, and clean. Well, in, in, in no ways I will ever bash because they're great, uh, you know, growers out there in the, in the industry. But you know, I only know what we do. Right. And 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 my dad is a perfectionist. And and you know, when you have a perfectionist and you also have passion and you also love tobacco, and when you combine all those three, you get the results of getting great tobacco. So organization in in, in a farm operation like this is very important. So you know, you have a plan what you're going to be growing, and then you know where it's going to be grown and what what amount of pounds that we needed you know when we had in the camacho days that we're doing you know 60 70 thousand cigars a day you needed to grow a lot of tobacco and you need to be organized to be able to manage those volumes i'm amazed at not only how organized that is but the uh quality control mm -hmm. that you guys exhibit on every step of the way is is absolutely unbelievable and evident when you go through and watch it absolutely wonderful I was just to say, Justo Arroyo is our guest. Uh, we are actually his guest. We're we're at his no, home. We're, we're both we're, we're both guests. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're at his home, which is uh, which is beautiful, and and uh, the vistas are absolutely scenic. We're um, having a great time here, but more importantly, I think learning so much, and I think that consumers are really just beginning to learn about the Aladino brands. And I know you love the farming part of this. But a lot more of your time now is taken uh, with marketing and beginning to get people to uh, understand what these brands are about and, and what you're doing. And be aware of them, yeah. yeah. So walk us through real quick the launch of Aladino as a, uh, as a cigar company. Well, the launch of Aladino was uh, basically launched in 2015, and I was, I was not with my dad in back time. I was working uh, with, with, in corporate America with one of the big food and beverage companies. And then that was launched with my brother and CLE. But, you know, as you know, my brother is very successful with, with the CLE, the Roa uh, brand, so, so, you know, and the Asylum. So, basically, my dad decided for us to basically, you know, the, a cigar brand for a, a integrated operation, the success of a cigar brand is the lifeblood of any farm operation. Mm -hmm. So, for us, it's very important to develop the brand and get into people's hands and also develop that that blood flow so when we sell cigars we could keep on growing more tobacco mm -hmm. and also be able to provide you know a good living for all the people that work for us and and in the communities that also depend from the tobacco and cigar industry it's uh it's a very impressive operation but you are still very boutique in terms of you're not pump you're not trying to pump out millions of cigars well, I think in today's uh, new market, uh, you know, we I don't think we'd never want to get back to those big old numbers, uh, you know, in the heydays of the, the Camacho days. I think one of the things we do want to do is, is, is probably stay in a smaller range, have consistent quality, kind of depend. So everything that we grow, you know, as you saw a warehouse close to a million pounds of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of uh, raw materials, 
you know, we're set and we keep on building that. So as, as we as we continue to grow, every time you smoke one of our, our cigars is going to be consistent. And we want to be, you know, as a grower, also be the professional growers in the industry. We've tried quite a number of your cigars while we're here and the quality of each one, the the build quality, the uh, construction, and Reed overall burns, consistency yeah. is is just outstanding. And and the flavor is great. I was really impressed by the Connecticut, which I'll just show one of these to the camera. That's what who's so smoking as well. But this Connecticut, this is something that is yet to be launched. Is that right? That is correct. That when is. Do, very- when does this come out? Well, we're probably going to do a soft lunch. As you know, we're bringing in a, a, a group of retailers. And right now we've got mm-hmm. groups of retailers from PA, from Pennsylvania, and, and from Texas. And uh, there's a soft lunch in April that we'll do that. And and then at the APCPR, it's going to be one of our premier lines that we'll be, be, we'll be showing. But definitely this is probably one of the smoothest and cleanest uh, uh, Connecticut cigars is going to be out there in the market and, and i think it's going to be something that you know the consumers are going to really enjoy it's an outstanding cigar it's uh just so you know this is a um a very it's it's on the mild side but it has such a wonderful flavor to it that that even though uh a lot of the guys here generally aren't you know into mild cigars overall everyone's been smoking them because they're so everyone's good. been raving about yeah the raving about them and you're absolutely right Ian. it's it's about the flavor and yeah, sometimes lots of flavor sometimes you cigar. want something more powerful sometimes you want a milder cigar but what's always disappointing to someone who maybe normally smokes a you know medium to full full range cigar is when they light up a connecticut and it's not just light but it doesn't have a big flavor profile this these cigars have got really a very incredible uh, flavor profile. Very toasty, very uh, very sort of the warmer kind of tones. It's just a really really wonderful tasting cigar. I really appreciate that, and and you know that is one of the qualities that uh, that when we blend, we always have that component of corojo. Corojo is such a unique leaf that it gives you so much flavor, so much intensity of flavor. And if the tobacco is well aged, it's just going to be very smooth, and you have some sweetness into it. So it's it's, it's very it's very it's, it's incredible. It's, just, yeah, it's a, such a great a creamy, noble leaf, creaminess to it. That yes, just yeah. can't be denied. And of course, we saw you uh, sorting the corojo leaves uh, today in the factory, and and just watching how those are made ready, basically to uh, to be rolled. And then we watched the rollers with them. I mean, it's it's such a fascinating process to anybody that hasn't seen it. And we've taken plenty of video footage. We'll. We'll show some of that. But I want to tell a, a story, if it's okay, about something that happened. Last night, we were all sitting out here smoking, and Husto brought out some cigar samples of something they're working on that has not been released yet. And this is going to be one of their really more sort of premier uh, uh, cigars, something that's a little higher in the price range, looking for that And a little bit more bold in flavor. And a little more bold in flavor. And so he passed out some samples, and we were smoking them. And um, you know, some of them were smoking really well. Others uh, had like some some burn issues. Mm-hmm. What I was so blown away by was today he got all of us in a circle, and had all of us talk about what happened with your cigar, what happened with your cigar. And he had his blenders there, he had his master roller people were there. Julio was there, your father. Even, even a couple examples from... Right, and from and went down the list of everything, and then those guys went back to work because they haven't got it where you want it yet. I just thought that was really impressive. I'm not sure. I mean, I know that 
everyone has their quality control and everybody's going to come in and, and uh, you know, and, you know, do test smokes of, of things before they release them. But I'm not, I'm not sure how many would uh, be taking the opinions yeah. of people like us and saying, <laughs> okay, guys, we're listening. We're going to go back. We're going to go back and work on this. Some well, more. that's not, I'll look into it. That's, we're looking into it right now. Well, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. They went, they went amazing. back and, and started making uh, adjustments, uh, I, I think, this afternoon, didn't they? Absolutely. You know, one of the things I always say, the best cigar is the one that, that, that the consumer likes. And, and, and so for me, it's very important that every, every consumer that smokes the JRE line and they're smoking Julio Aurora manufactured cigars, they need to understand that we really take a lot of passion and a lot of, and also our employees, as you saw our, our master roller there, he was, you know, he, in a way he felt a little bit bad and kind yeah. of embarrassed. Yeah. But Adamatic, he told me, "Don't worry, I'll get it. We'll, we'll get it. We're gonna get it right." You know, these what would happen was before the group started to come down, I called a week earlier, say, "Hey guys, I need a hundred cigars of the new prototype." So Adamatic, he did it, and you know they were probably you know a little bit underfilled, and you know because it's not the the normal size that we're doing, and and the normal size that we do, everything seems to be perfect, and everything that we try to do is perfect. We, we you yeah. know, I'll point out we had the cigar in a Maduro, <laughs> uh, in a, uh, sorry, in a robusto. And it was fantastic. Like yeah. it was not only was it amazing flavor, but the draw was just absolutely perfect. Draw burn. So this perfect. this was just you working on a different size than different these. size. Mm -hmm. the, the, it's, it's not a normal size that we roll. And for us, any 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 suggestions or any any criticism that we get to better our product is very welcome. I mean, it, it, you only do us a favor. And you know, for customers, you know, is is very important that, to know that we we're. We want to make sure that everything that they buy, they spend their money to enjoy something. They enjoy it, and you know that we're there behind them. Meeting your father, uh, Julio, was quite a quite an experience. Um, he uh, is quite an interesting character. How how heavily involved is he still in the day to day operations of this uh, of this place? A hundred and fifty percent. There's there's there. I mean, I could even say a thousand percent. You know, we. Him and I work, you know, in a lot of the plans in the farm. But at the end of the day, he calls the shots, and I say, "Hey, I thought we agreed with this. Well, I changed my mind. We're doing it this way now." <laughs> so it, that's the way he is. Well, He's, he he was everywhere when we were on the yeah. tour. Like we'd see, he would see him in all the different stages, um, right, over and over again, daily. So absolutely, it pretty it's, amazing. Yeah, it 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 really one of the the other things that has made a big impression on me on this trip is you know sometimes when we walk into a cigar shop and we see the price of a cigar and we think oh man uh, remember back in the good old days when cigars were 50 cents and uh like it's amazing to me that you can even release an eight dollar cigar with how many hands have to touch mm -hmm. it how many how many different parts of the process have to be done just right to be able to get a cigar that we're going to smoke and go man that was great well, and something that you just said, though, I think as you see the industry, cigar prices are starting to creep up because not only is it more expensive to grow, salaries grow up, go up, and you know where the manufacturing and the growing is, but at the same time, you know, you know, we get a lot of taxes and fees, not only federal when we bring in the cigars, but states, statewide. Each state's got their own uh, uh, tax system, and it's you know we're, we're taking actually a beating. So you yeah. know. Long run, you know, as, as as time goes on, you know, you'll see prices creeping up almost every year. Mm -hmm. You seem to be very optimistic, though, about the future of the premium cigar business and and what you guys are are doing here. I I know a lot of people 
you know, talk about the impending legislation and things like that and have maybe a, maybe a more pessimistic view of, of where things are headed. You don't seem that way at all. You seem like you're just gung-ho and ready to rock. Well, you, I, I come from, my background comes from, from mass consumption for the beverage business. Right. And, and, and I kind of study the trends of what's going on, and, 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 I like, and I like to see that there is a great future, you know, because, you know, a, a hand-rolled cigar, everything that we do is 100% natural. Uh, you know, filler binder wrapper with there's, you know, no additives. So, you know, we, we're and, and as you know, we're the only bear bear best practice certified farm in the industry. And as a matter of fact, we have already sent letters uh, to for FDA to come and visit us. We want to be, you know, the, the, kind of the lead the way and the show standard for the standard for the industry. You know, uh, the, yeah, the, the way- sanitation standard has been outstanding. There's a lot of. A lot of times where we have to stop, we have to make sure our shoes are sanitized, and we walk mm-hmm. through the the mister, the mister and, and, tunnels, and, and um, sanitize our hands before we walk into a lot of areas, and and people are having to do that every time they walk into that area. I'm assuming. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of the things that I see, and you know, like all all. If you go into any food or, or processing plants in the U.S., they're the USDA or they're FDA mm-hmm. approved, and I think in the long run. If you know, even the slaughterhouses that export beef or watermelons or shrimp, they're FDA inspected. You know, 50% of U.S. products are inspected by the FDA. So, you know, th- that's a true reality of what's going on in the industry. And if you don't prepare to do that and, you know, take the extra steps to do it right, then, you know, we're doing it right and we want to keep on doing it right. So I feel optimistic and I think a lot of the people in the industry will try to do the same. You know, because I think there's still a future. I think we're always going to smoke. Even Europe is still smoking cigars and it, growing. You know, it, it speaks to your commitment to the craft, how open you are about everything, too. One of the things that uh, you said to us um, on the first day we were here is uh, is take pictures, take videos of anything you want. We're hiding nothing. Anything you yeah. see, you know, feel free. And that's just so open and honest. I love that. Approach. Yeah, it, it is awesome. I was also impressed, by the way, by how much tobacco you have in those barns that's amazing how how long if you stop growing today how many years worth of tobacco do you think you would have well at, at our current level of production we got a, you know a couple years maybe in the in the previous uh, life that we were doing a lot of cigars maybe 2 years but or, or less but yeah. but now you know we got plenty of tobacco and that that's one of the things we wanted to show you that we're here for the long run that's awesome. Uh, and lastly, I just wanted to ask you, of the things that you guys are working on or blending or developing, what are you most excited about right now from Aladino? Well, I think uh, if you have all tasted, you know, the new, the new uh, uh, Aladino Connecticut, I think it's probably going to be, it's going to be one of the cleanest, smoothest, creamiest uh, uh, cigars out there. It's going to be, you know, a mild cigar, but, you know, it's got tons of flavors so it's it's, it's a great cigar for a beginner mm-hmm. and also for an experienced smoker who wants something on the lighter side that still has good flavor and i think a lot of people who uh who smoke you know a cigar to a week aren't necessarily looking for a huge bomb you know or powerhouse a huge right? powerhouse of a cigar they just but they want something that has really good flavor something that that they can handle and i think I think that's going to be a huge hit with consumers. Well, the really price do. point on it is fantastic. What is this? What is that, this cigar going to go for right here? Wait, this is when it's a Corona. This is probably going to be about probably six twenty or yeah. Something. That's yeah. It's going yeah. to be yeah. Did. But but everything is going to be underneath ten. 
uh, because there are a lot of states that get you know get taxes, and you know the the best selling rapper in the country is Connecticut. So right. so we're going after that market. You know we want to you know just start you know venturing into where mass consumption is. We have a, a unique uh, niche which is Corojo, which we're known for. Mm -hmm. But I think you know we we could also with the combination of Corojo. Which is such a noble leaf. Uh, we could we could we could blend something like that, which is mild but with flavor. Well, the flavor of everything we've had has been incredible, and I'm I'm really psyched to see you guys making such inroads. and uh, And thank you again for the hospitality. It has really been wonderful, and we're we're we kind of feel like we're on a step of this journey with you. So it's been awesome. Oh no, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You guys are you know you guys are wonderful. Thank you for you know hosting me. It's a real it's a true honor. Thank you so much, guys. Justo Arroyo from the uh, Aladino Cigar Factory and Farm and uh, from JRE. Try these cigars. You will not be disappointed. It's smoking and toasting. Yeah, uh, that was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I thought. it was. I just wanted to comment to the uh, to, <laughs> to the setting uh, because uh, Adam was saying when the segment first started, uh, it looked almost looked like we had a green screen up, and then a couple of uh, people were actually talking about that on the comments that it uh, looked like we never left uh, Houston. That was just a green screen. No, uh, that was real deal. That yeah. was that was right <laughs> at sunset. The uh, yeah. the the third night we were there. And uh, Adam goes, hey, this is where we're setting up. And he had the camera angle. And, you know, I tried to direct him. He's like, no, no, this is where it goes. <laughs> and he was right. And, oh, yeah. man, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, he was right. Some of the interviews that we did with uh, some of the shop owners uh, wound up happening after dark. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that winds up looking as we had, you know, just uh, some very different lighting there. But uh, it, it should be fun to see. Now, we're going to be doing – well, you know what? We'll tell you about that in the next segment. Coming up in our final segment, we have two tastings to do. We're going to be tasting the Monkless Belgian Ale Friars Festivus. You know I like Belgian-style beer. A, right? Oh, I know you do. It's a Belgian-style quadruple ale. And if I didn't have you at that, I might have you at the 10%. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so that we have to look forward to. And uh, as if that wasn't enough, oh, oh I bumped the mic. That's kind of like a mic drop. That It's replacing mic drops is going to be mic bumps Mic now. bumps, right. Yeah, that's going to be the next thing. Uh, the Dalmore. Portwood Reserve. It's so pretty. It is pretty, and we're going to crack this baby you open. Opened it yet? In the next segment, plus tell you a little bit more about uh, what happened to us in Honduras. It's smoking and toasting show number one hundred and twenty-seven, and we are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Show number 127 underway here. We are back from Honduras and the JRE and Aladino Factory. And I have to say, I had, um, I just had like an even better time than I was expecting. I knew we were going to go and do some drinking and cigar smoking and, and get to see the inner workings of the cigar factory. And I knew that was going to be cool. But it was an even better time than I was expecting. You know, I drank a lot of the uh, Florida Cana twelve. Yes, and well, the seven. No, let's just we say we drank twelve. We drank uh, uh, some of the twelve, and then one guy <laughs> decided he really liked it in his rum and coke, and he kept putting it in the freezer where none of us could get to it. I was like, seriously, dude. So we drank the seven, but the seven was pretty darn good as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I didn't have a problem with either one of them. They're both delicious. Yeah. I just felt like rum was the right thing. Rum for a was lot of that. was a pair, now that being said, very much on in the season. last night. Yeah, uh, Reed, I think it was the one of the guys from Greensburg brought a bottle of um, of uh, Johnny Walker Gold, mm -hmm. 
And that was pretty delicious. Yes, he was, was like, I'm going to leave this for the rest of the people who show up. I don't think there was much left. Yeah, uh, who show up on the next tour. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right about that. Uh, I did want to mention, by the way, that um, we got to know a lot of shop owners, and it, it, it inspired us to start a new segment, which will be, I think, probably kicking off next week on the program, uh, which is Smoking and Toasting Recommended Shops. And I know you have some sort of like cool tagline for that that you're uh, that you're in the process of developing. Yes, so. we will we will uh, expose that yeah. next week. Uh, but basically, what it'll be is it'll be a, a look into different shops all over the country that are uh, smoking and toasting recommended places to buy and or smoke cigars. So recommended shops should be fun. We met some. Awesome. We met some fun people uh, there, and it'll be it'll be fun to do that. Uh, trade groups representing the cigar industry are in the process now of urging federal appeals court to strike down new U.S. Food and Drug Administration FDA health warning label requirements for cigars and pipe tobacco on the grounds that they violate the manufacturer's free speech rights. Mm. These th- uh, these uh, regulations. The Cigar Association of America. That's our buddies, the CAA, mm-hmm. uh, and two other groups in a brief filed on Tuesday with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit said that the massive warnings that the FDA is asking them to uh, to to have to have on the uh, boxes and the products violate the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. We will keep you posted on this story as it develops. So, <coughs> Ian. Why don't you lift that up a little bit so the camera can uh, can see it? Can you show that bad boy to the Look camera? Look how beautiful that is. This, my friends, is a pretty fine looking bottle of whiskey. This is the Dalmore. Uh, this is a non age statement uh, bottle, uh, but it is uh, considered to be one of their finer whiskeys, I believe. And it's the Portwood Reserve Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Uh, the special assemblage of whiskey matured in American white oak and ex bourbon barrels. Which is then finessed. I love the way they say that. They, finessed. They've not got finished. that figured out in Scotland by aged tawny port pipes, hand selected from W and J Graham's Vineyard in Portugal. They describe it as a majestic and refined single malt. So prove I think me the, wrong. I think the time has come, my friend. Prove me uh, right. Oh, you know what? I probably should have like, uh, you know, sort of like cracked the seal a little bit uh, a moment ago. But I think oh, I, here, here. There's a I think I can tab. do that. Oh, there is. I didn't see that. Thank yeah. you, sir. I was going to say, I think I can do that quickly. Into, yeah, well, that's, uh, that. that's right. I'm, uh, I'm always a problem when it comes to these <laughs> things. Um, so I don't think we've had the Dalmore on the program before, have we? Mm, I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. I don't think, I, don't think I brought one. I love their cigar malt. Oh, yes. That's a great whiskey, isn't it? Ah, Ooh. that sounded good. That is, in fact, the sound that I was looking for. And, oh. My nostrils were just assaulted by <laughs> the uh, wonderful aroma of this whiskey. So let's uh, let's pour and talk about it, shall we? Uh, so I'm wondering how this uh, how this compares with something like oh, that is the, a dark, the, the dark Santa, and for fruity example. smell. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, kind of wine smelling. Very trying to find the empty glass here. Here we go. Yes. Well, you know, obviously port is a wine, so. Uh, you're expecting to have some, uh, you know, some rich, deep uh, fruit flavors, but oh boy, this has got an interesting, uh, just an interesting vibe to it from the very beginning. Your thoughts, Ian? I'm seeing your face, and I don't know what. To think. This is entirely too smooth. Mm. Like this goes down with no heat whatsoever. Wow, that may I'm, be one of the, the heat hasn't even come back yet. That may be one of the smoothest whiskeys I've ever. This has super ever dark fruit flavors with that port wine. Mm-mm-mm. 
thing. This is this is um, caramel and chocolate and date. Getting tons of chocolate on this, and which is not necessarily something I'm used to from a whiskey. Yeah, this you is, know. Wow. So again, this is finished in. Um, a special assemblage, they say, of whiskey matured oh, in American white oak, tons of ex bourbon barrels, which is then finessed by aged tawny port pipes. Hmm. And these pipes are hand selected uh, from WWJ's well, so uh, Graham's uh, Vineyard in Portugal. The so it's port Portuguese. in here, the port in here is huge. Uh, it's mm. it's bigger than what you, usually when you have a. a they said they use the word finessed. Usually, when you have a finish on a, a whiskey, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little more subtle than hint, this. It's a yes. little more subtle. It's a little more. Right. You this know, is you a pretty to, big port this finish. This is pretty bold. Like this has a very wine profile in the flavor. Uh, it also has just a ton of oak. Has some of that caramel. Lots of chocolate. Like mm-hmm. way tons of chocolate. Chocolate is way over the top. Um, and it's incredibly smooth. Now we're tasting this neat. There's nothing in this mm-hmm. right now. It's incredibly smooth. Like I can't believe how smooth it is, just straight out of the bottle like that. Can you imagine this with a with a cube of ice in the cup? Mm, I'm trying to imagine. It with a cube of ice in the cup. <laughs> we should have planned for this, actually, my friend. <laughs> um, wow, it is it is just exceptionally smooth. I would love to have this with a little water to open it up, and I'm willing to bet mm-hmm. that it'll temper some of the uh, <clears throat> some of the wine flavors a little bit. I down think so. And bring out mm-hmm. some of the chocolate. Bring out flavors, some of the chocolate and the uh, and yeah. the fruitier flavors in the background, because because the longer I sit here date. without taking a sip, the uh, the the fruitier flavors like there's. There's almost like some, uh, but some brighter fruits that you don't expect. Almost like yes. some like apricotty kind of, mm-hmm. uh, or pear. Is, sorry, pear is what I was thinking, not apricot. Pear kind of flavors coming out in the very, very back of this after the uh, the wood settles down in the aftertaste, and after the uh, port wine settles down in the aftertaste. It's pretty interesting. I'm just kind of concentrating on the flavors, picking out all of the things that you're talking about. There's there. a That's tiny delicious. bit of smoke in there too. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that kind of mm-hmm. lays across the top of everything. It's really nice. Well, you're right. I hadn't picked that up on that at, at first, but you're so absolutely right. There is a bit of smoke in that profile that that you kind of pull out after you've kind of let the fruit flavors dance on your tongue a little bit, and the smoke kind of hovers above it, just like smoke actually would in a situation right. like that. You know. Wow. That is delicious. It really is, and a bit different than what I was expecting. I was expecting something maybe more like the La Santa, which is a more subtle port, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, but, I, 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 man, that's good. That's just good. New study, by the way, says keep your craft beer cool and drink it soon. Uh, <laughs> Say what? This, this, this See, this falls to me under the same auspices as that study that said that kids don't smoke premium cigars. It's like, duh. You when could you mentioned me, and I would have told you. When you mentioned this earlier, um, uh, uh, Delmar said, hey, "Let's all let's all chug craft beer." Uh, if you're a fan of craft beer with a strong hoppy flavor, then you need to pay attention to this science. It says store your beer in a cool place. All right, so, hold on, stop yeah. there, stop there, yeah, because okay. yeah. that that right there brings BS to the whole title of this. Well, no, like all- that is a that is a total like but- get your attention. But we're not really fond of but because all beer contains hops, but with a lot of hoppiness. And the truth is, wait a second, uh, are we sure all beer contains hops? Should we look at the Bud Light label again? Oh, I don't have proof of that. Like, yeah. I don't know if that uh, that Dogfish Head contains hops because it just 
listed beer right. It just said pale ale with, yeah, and then granola and honey. So it, it may, may not, not have actually a hop be. In it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not, certainly well, not triple hop. Anyway, uh, so no, no, no. Case. I just, I just, I call BS on the title because that's only true for IPAs and pale ales and things that should be drank fresh. Like you're never gonna see. You have to drink this dogfish head, uh, or uh, not dogfish head, but uh, uh, you know, a uh, 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 Young's chocolate porter or something right. like that. Super cold and immediately. No, you can well, leave that no, in for no. years. No, this is really more about uh, a more hop forward beers. You're absolutely right. And by the way, speaking of dogfish head, you know I can get that at my local Kroger. I'm gonna just, kick. I'm gonna I'm kick you saying. under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I can get dogfish 90 minute at my local Kroger. 90 minute. At Have your local bought Kroger? it there before. Sad, Ian. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's why I don't buy into the H-E-B thing. Uh, apologies to those of you who are not uh, from our hometown. That's something you almost have All to right, You know what Kroger do that drives me nuts, though? I hate those little, you have to have a a little tag or put no, your number no, no, in no. or any of that it's other Just BS. punch your number in. It's not that big yeah, a deal. Yeah, but still, why should I have to do that? It's not that big that's a deal. Not that, oh, it makes me want to. Then, uh, then uh, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, that means I got to shop at HEB because they don't do that BS. Uh, yeah, but uh, Which how, I appreciate. You, but how do you find anything there? It's the most confusing store layout ever. We we have arrived at one of our dun dun dun. This is <laughs> I will fight this you. Is a, this is a polarizing moment. <laughs> it's the store we and shop smoking at. and toasting. All right, I can't work um, like this. Plus, plus at Kroger they at least. Build a big enough parking lot Kroger for all of the cars. Kroger H-E- versus Okay, so you are obviously talking about the one in the Montrose right yeah. there. Well, no. Because that parking was, lot yeah. sucks. Oh, yeah. oh, that one. Oh, the one uh, that Buffalo Speedway? That's like worst parking lot ever oh, yeah, at yeah. the H-E-B. Ever. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got, uh, there's room inside the store for several hundred people to shop and room for 17 to park. <laughs> I'm just saying. That, it's, that was not good. Yeah, thing. You have to park at Kroger right. and kind of go across the street. So, Ian, all beer contains hops, right? So I'm, oh, going, back to this, I'm going back to this article here. Um, so uh, without hops, obviously, the beer spoils. Without the antimicrobial properties that the hops bring, uh, the beer spoils quickly, right? So to make beer, brewers mash and steep grain in hot water. That converts all that starch into sugars. This is traditionally the stage where the hops are added to the liquid e- extract and boiled to give the beer that hint of bitterness. That turns some of the resins into uh, uh, iso-alpha acids, which produces a bitter taste. Yeast is then added to trigger fermentation, except apparently in Bud Light, where they list no yeast, yeast on There's the label. There's no yeast label. in Bud Light. Yeah, uh, turning the sugars into alcohol. But you add too many hops, the beer will be too bitter uh, and not drinkable. So We in, call that an IPA. Yeah, in re- recent years, many craft brewers have started using dry hopping as a way to make the hops uh, uh, more, put more hops in the beer without getting the excessive uh, bitterness. Uh, so anyway, with all of the hops uh, in, put in here, they're basically saying, and this was a study that was actually done. I did not make this up. I could have told them this. They're basically saying you need to drink your beer within, if it's a hop-forward beer, you need to drink it within three months and drink it cold. That's what the study says. Within three months from its inception, from its born-on date, if I may borrow it's that. born-on date. I borrow that, uh, <laughs> that term from, uh, from bigger beer. So, you see, I knew you were going to have an issue with this article. But that's, <laughs> that's why when I saw it, I was really excited. Because it's BS. I, mean, I was like, really yeah, excited it, like, to be able to bring it in. The whole name of that and is. And get you all worked up. Is, 
is keep your craft beer cool and drink it in three months or or it sucks. So here's the actual headline. Study, colon, keep craft beer cool and drink in three months for best flavors. That's right. All craft beer, right? Well, that's, that's that's what it implies, yeah, right? I know, I know. I'm See, a craft beer drinker. So I knew you. Does were that mean get I should be drinking up. my breakfast, uh, uh, my breakfast stout, super cold, and within three months? Here's, Hell no. Here's my reply to you, sir. Ooh, did you check the born on date? Because no, if that's over not. three months old, I'm throwing it out. Let me see if what the ingredients are. Oh, water, yeast, malt, barley, and hops. Oh. That's a weird set of ingredients it, for beer. It There's no rice. It does, it There's no corn syrup. <laughs> it doesn't say that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> this, my friend, is by, by the way, that's not far from the ingredients in Great Nut Cereal. Yeah, I know. Well, and, and we were very close to that a few moments ago with the American Beauty Pale Ale with the that's granola. Right. So uh, this, however, is the Friars Festivus. Uh, this was released in 2018 from Monkless Belgian Ales out of Bend, Oregon. It is their Belgian-style quadruple ale. And we'll show this to the camera so the camera can get a feel for it. I can't actually see what the camera sees, so I don't know if I'm doing that right. But there you go. It is 10.2. Oh, good. Ian will show it to that camera. My camera's right there. It is 10.2%. And uh, here's what it says. It says, continuing an age-old Belgian tradition of brewing uh, steep beers for cold months, we humbly offer our winter quad. So this was their winter 2018 uh, that's that's too old. We can't drink that. All right, all right, all right. Is Friars, it also thirty four degrees. Yeah, Friars Festivus. No, I don't think so. Because then we cannot bag. have this. This is a craft beer. Friars Festivus captures the senses. Notice how I'm ignoring you and going on. Uh, Friars <laughs> Festivus captures the senses uh, with aromas of lemon and dark fruit. And okay, so, so, so I don't sometimes like to read through all of the things that they're saying you'll get before we taste it because uh, I don't want to prejudice your your taste buds. Uh, but they do say that uh, it's fermented by both their wit beer and traditional Belgian Abbey yeast uh, to strike the balance between spicy and sweet. It also suggests that we enjoy it in a snifter, but we will be doing our plastic cup version of snifter here on the program. Does that also we, mean, uh, like, just by that headline, does that also mean that macro brews do not have to be cold Ian, I'm worried or about drank you. within three months? I'm worried about you with this Belgian uh, quadruple because look at that. Look at that. Uh, that's, um, that's pretty uh, bubbly carbonation. aggressive. This is not your. This that's, is not that's your carb aggression right there. Carb aggression. I like that. <laughs> wasn't that uh, wasn't that ACDC's second album? Carb aggression. <laughs> I thought it was. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just. Uh, There's an eighth note bass line going on here. All right. Well, there is there is definitely carb aggression going on there. Has yours uh, has yours died down any? Uh, only a little bit. Holy cow. Yeah, this is super fragrant. Boy, it sure is. Um, I might point out that it tastes like it just smells. I haven't tasted it. Yet. It smells like baking spice. I might point out that my understanding of the uh, they say Belgian tradition minus the monks. It says here on this, but my understanding of the monkless Belgian ales brewing company is that all they brew are Belgian style ales. They don't do anything else. There is no IPA. Them. There's no stout. There's no uh, you know nothing. It's all Belgian style. Where's that from, and why don't ales. I live next to it? They are from Bend, Oregon. It's a good ways from you, I'm my moving. friend. You're moving to Bend, Oregon. But see, you, then, then you would then miss. I'd live in Bend, Oregon. Then you would miss brown ale. You would miss. Uh, uh, you would miss a good uh, oatmeal stout every once in a while. 
a coffee pour. Like I haven't perhaps? tried this yet. I'm just smelling it because it literally smells like you know you open someone's. I got to tell you, it's, baking cupboard. Like it is one of the most fragrant beers I've ever smelled. It smells like a whole like bin of spices. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, I'm not sure I'm going to like it. I will tell you, it's going to depend how it how it plays on the tongue. It smells Christmassy because <clears throat> I'm getting almost more spices than I than I want. This is just me. You know, there I, I understand there would be people who would love this, but. Uh, I'm actually biding my time for the for the hop aggression to to, yeah. to become hop. I'm trying mediocrity. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anything about this beer can be described as mediocrity, whether you like it or don't like it. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty serious. It's got so much. I know that when I take a sip, I'm going to have this stuck on my uh, mustache. What are you thinking, mm. boy? I'm thinking uh, we should have had this in December. Is the first thing I'm thinking because it tastes it, like a it Christmas tastes, cookie. It tastes Christmassy to me. Yes, it tastes like a Christmas cookie. Like mm-hmm. this, I'm for it. Um, this is going to be more your style of a thing than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's I funny is all that hop aggression we were t- or the uh, not hop aggression but uh, uh, carb aggression we were talking mm-hmm. about. It's not really that. It's not that carbonated. Carbonated I know what you mean, when yeah. you drink it. It's just got a ton of head. Mm. Um, this tastes like Christmas baking spices. It's more baking spice than I have ever tasted in a beer, ever. Even in a lot of the Christmas ales. <clears throat> right. So this is more Christmassy took, than a Christmas if ale. If you took the Christmas ales with the most spices in it and took out the pumpkin flavor, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Like, now, this in fairness, is good. I think this came out in the uh, winter of 2018. I also November, want to point December. out it is neither cold nor within three months. Yes, but it was brewed and bottled by Monkless Belgian Ales, Bend, Oregon. And this is delicious. I bet this goes now, amazing with I a can, cigar. Yeah, I, be, I, I bet it actually would pair well. This is not my thing, but I recognize the artistry at work here. You know what I'm saying? Brian says uh, we're not repetitive at all. Oh, that's good. Brian says we're not repetitive at all. Oh, that's good. Um, Brian says we're not repetitive at all. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, uh, honestly, this this is not my favorite style of beer. I will tell you, and the spices are a bit much for me. But even so, I can really respect the artistry at work here and how well crafted this is. You could pour this into a little potpourri dish and make the whole house smell mm-hmm. like delicious. Uh, I actually like this uh, mm-hmm. now that I'm into it, and it's not as not as carb aggressive as I thought. Um, it's it's actually quite good. It it really it's is delicious. very Christmassy. It really is delicious. I just, I, I don't know if it's what I would choose. It's you know Christmassy, what I mean? and, but I and, can see this being on your like, and short like list. harvest spice mm-hmm. without being pumpkin. Honestly, if you had put this into, uh, we didn't do it this December, but last December I think we did a, a Christmas ale show. <laughs> we did, and we like, did, we did like fifteen Christmas yeah, ales in one show. Man. This one would have won. You know what I'm saying? Like this would have been as as the most Christmas as the most Christmassy of all the like Christmas this one has Home Alone and Bad Santa all <laughs> built into one drink. And 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 um, what's what's the other one? A Christmas story. A Christmas story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This one tastes like a Christmas story. It really does. Um, and I think every time that I take a sip of this, an angel may get its wings. So I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know. Mm. No, I have to say it is good, and the more I drink it, the better I like it. That said, this still is a well. You just about overflowed that bad boy. Um, this still is a a style that is a t- uh, it's a tougher style for me to gravitate towards. That's all. I'm just I'm just not a huge like 
spice guy. Like there's certain spices that I just don't really care all that much for. You know what I mean? You Other spices I love. You don't like Christmas? I'm just saying. I can't believe you. <laughs> I am the Grinch that stole the Belgian quad. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I do actually really like it. I mean, I just poured I did, myself. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I just poured myself more. So that it's just, really interesting because it, really you like, it really is just, I, like, in the most generic sense, it's tons of baking spice. It's uh, it's just a ton of it. Um, other than that, style of beer, it's almost hard to tell. The Belgian doesn't come through until... The aftertaste when you get right. that that the background Belgian yes. fruitiness and some no, of the you're banana. Right. It's, it's all and, spice up front, baking spice right. up front. Yeah, right up uh, front, and the smell is amazing, mm-hmm. like in a potpourri kind of way. It may be the most fragrant beer in a good way. <laughs> right. Like I'm not not in a sort of a that beer is spoiled sort of a way, but in the most pleasantly fragrantized beer that I've ever smelled. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty fragrant. That's a tough one. I don't know how easy this is to find because it was a limited release, uh, and it came out at the end of 2018. Uh, I was able to find it, but I don't know. Uh, okay, so don't know how easy it will be for you guys. Take my advice: if you see this beer, buy it. Do not take the advice of that article that you just read. Buy this. Put it in your refrigerator mm-hmm. and let it sit there until next year. I bet it's even better. At Christmas time, it probably would be. I bet it's it even better be. You're because right. unlike your article, this He's, should be. Ian, is, I just want to point out, you're really worked up about I this just article. find that article to be misleading. You, like, the whole headline about, is misleading and yours, annoying. You're as worked up about the article as I am about the Bud Light Ingredients <laughs> label. And that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> it's just misleading and annoying that it's misleading. Mm-hmm. you got to drink your craft beer fresh and super cold. Again, again. No, that's BS. Well, it's total BS. Y- you know... Uh, you know what they say about these uh, these studies that that release statistics. What is the, you know, what is the old uh, saying? There's three kind of lies: lies, damn lies, and statistics. And it's kind of like it's kind. I, I believe you can commission a study to prove just about anything you want to, as long as you set up the study in such as long as a way. You do it right, that, right, yeah. As long as you set up the study in such a way as to try to achieve that. Again, this is the Bud Light. You know. Surveying people and discovering people want to know what's what's in their beer. Well, duh. That's because today's beer consumer is more educated about beer you than they used to be. You know what's in most cans of beer? Beer. Yeah. No kidding. Even the generic beer that you buy says so right there on the can. Beer. Beer. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. Uh, so I'm liking this more and more, I will say, as I drink it. The other thing is, it's wait kind a of second. Warming up Let's go me. back to the label. Let's go back to the label. If you're wondering what's in beer... Or in your beer, someday they will make a device that you can hold in your hand that you can ask either by typing in or even saying it out loud. By saying, hey, Siri? Yeah. Yeah. Um, There will make a device like this that you can simply find out what's in beer. I bet they will. I'm assuming if you're old enough to buy beer. My point about about that whole thing (laughs) is simply this. Yes, people want to know what's in their beer, but people don't necessarily have that Question People about de- their Bud don't Light. need to know what that's beer is. They want to know right. what uh, what else is in what their beer. What else is in their beer? That's the whole point. It's not about what's in my Bud Light. You know what's you it's know about what's, what's in this wacky. You know what's informative? Belgian uh, ales, uh, Monkless uh, Friars Festivus. Informative is the style of beer and anything you did different that most people don't do. Exactly. You know exactly. And then maybe hey, you know what? If you want to be a little calorie counter, 
hey, a calorie count on your beer, I don't think this is a bad thing. I agree. You know? I agree. Not at all. If you got a beer that has 410 calories in a 12-ounce glass, that's fine. Know it going Let's into just it. know that going in. Parse yeah. your calories out. Totally with you. Whatever totally you want to do. You know what? By the way, I that, think this is about 640 calories. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> could be wrong, but- This uh, beer just weighs more yeah. than other beers. <laughs> um, but uh, no, you're right, Ian. You're right. You're by right. the way, I was telling some friends of mine, they do, uh, they do a lot of- uh, uh, um, marathons and uh, triathlons and things like that, Ironman competitions. I was telling them because uh, I was talking to them the other night about uh, they're you know getting in shape for a marathon. And they're like, oh yeah, I got to watch the beer. We just drank a six pack between us the other night. And I was like, well, Lagunitas, Lagunitas. makes a ninety eight calorie beer, yes, and, and they amazing. love IPAs. And I said it's called Daytime IPA, and it's awesome. He's like super excited about it. Yes, took a picture of it and sent it to him. You know why I took a picture of it? Because I bought it, it's delicious. Yes, and and you are not the IPA guy. I'm so, not even yeah, the IPA yeah, guy. But but no, you're absolutely right, Ian. And we have we have called that beer the Bud Light Killer yeah. on this show. Uh, it's like we if you if you drink a Bud Light and that and you like that better, I I don't if, know if what to say. If you think Bud Light tastes better, uh, if than you that, think Bud Light, you got problems. Yeah, absolutely. So all right, couple of quick things before we wrap up. I want to say a huge thank you for the hospitality of the Arroyo family of uh, Julio and Justo and everyone who hosted us there uh, at the Aladino and JRE farm. You saw some of that footage earlier in the show, and uh, they were just they were wonderful people. I loved hanging with them. Absolutely. They were as good as they could possibly be. And we smoked some damn fine cigars. I mean, I already had smoked the occasional Aladino. It's now a part of my regular yeah. rotation, that's for sure. They're, uh, the Aladino Maduro is yeah. is firmly in and my I, I really enjoyed the Corojo line. Reserva which they have a longer version of coming out soon uh, and you can get it in the uh, in the Robusto now now just a quick fabulous. question yes um, we left on Sunday morning mm-hmm. um, and got there in the afternoon mm-hmm. how many cigars have you smoked between then and now between the time we got there from the time we left Houston to the time we got back to Houston I'm gonna say three four. No, I'm so full of it. I don't even know how many cigars. If you put a I zero smoked. on the yeah, end of it. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I don't even know how many cigars I smoked. It was one of those I wanna, type of I, things I talk where about your this. cigar would finish and then you would go light another one. Well, I want to talk about what they had. They had uh, this this uh, beautiful buffet. You um, realize you're making people hate you right now. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I won't talk about this anymore. No, they had this beautiful buffet in the, in the, uh, in the front room between the. Uh, between the bar area at this house, which was beautiful, and then uh, the dining area of this house and the lounge area of this mm-hmm, house, mm-hmm. they had this beautiful buffet right there. And on top of the buffet was all of their cigars. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just a box of everything. And you just walk up and you grab one and you smoke it. And there was it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah just, it really was. It really was. Like, and so, that was for four days. So when I say thank you for the hospitality, that's a big part of what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, thank you for the cigars. They, they thank you totally, for everything. They really did make us totally feel at home, us, too. Yes, yeah. and, uh, and it was great to see how the product was made, and it was uh, it was educational. In the weeks to come, we'll bring you more uh, footage from, uh, from those uh, – uh, little tours that we went on, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, we'll be meeting uh, some cigar shop proprietors from around the country as we debut our smoking and toasting recommended shops segment. There we go with uh, with guys from all over the country. All right, Ian. Next week's show, we're going to attempt to reprise one of the most listened to shows we've ever done. 
the one of the most listened to shows Next we've ever week. done. One of the most listened to shows we've ever done was Smoking Toastin's Pipe Smoking 101. It was, I think, around our 50th episode. And for whatever reason, that show was huge. So next week, Pipe Smoking 102. Okay, I'm a, you're not giving me enough time to prepare. I'm going to have to do something here. What's that? I just have to like prepare and get my pipes in order. Okay. You realize how many pipes I have that I've- It's a week. You can do that in a week. You realize how many pipes I have that I've, that I've smoked and then gone, oh, that one's getting bitter. Yeah. I need to smoke another one while I clean that one, and, and then, then I don't clean work. it, and I smoke another pipe, and then I set that one aside because that one's good. I have to go clean all my pipes. Yeah, you, you're going to have to get to work. Pipe smoking 102 next week. EGAD. EGAD. Are we going to be on location somewhere? Oh, yes, we will. Sweet. Because we'll be smoking pipes. So looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to another round of uh, great tastings and great stuff uh, to tell you about, plus the debut installment of Smoking and Toasting Recommended Shops. Really excited about this. Great proprietors of great cigar shops around the country. Thank you guys for being a part of the uh, program today. Uh, no matter what you smoke, no matter what you drink, we appreciate you listening and hanging with us. And we offer you, in the kindest words possible, cheers. Hola. Cheers. Cheers.